Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, friends, and welcome to Awaken uh, and the new uh, Awaken Sunday morning talk show. Um, <laughs> um, I'm Micah. This is my friend Becky Patton. Hello, everyone. Um, if you tuned in last week, we had an interesting conversation in our series Lost in Translation about the book called Song of Songs, also known as Song of Solomon, which is a, uh, an ancient Hebrew love poem about the nature of love and desire and passion and sex. And as I was thinking about, like, where do we go from here, uh, since it was the first time I'd ever talked about it, I, I thought, I wonder if we could, like, continue this conversation in maybe a little bit different format. And uh, my dearest friend Becky has um, spent a lot of her vocational life, like, in this intersection between spirituality and sexuality. Uh, and so I thought hey, it would be fun just to like press record and kind of see where this goes. So <laughs> both Becky and I are a little nervous. We're a little anxious, but you know, I can feel my heart beating in my ears, which I know I'm alive then. Um, so a couple of things just before we get, before we get going, uh, as it relates to announcements and the life of our church, um, coming up is, uh, on the 27th. So Thursday of this week. There is an opportunity for you to come and be a part of uh, a time in the, sp- in the, in the church uh, from 4 to 7 p.m. The church will be open, and uh, it's open for prayer and meditation, reflection, contemplation. Uh, the Eucharist will be available for you. So uh, know that. Uh, we'll have you enter the main door in the front, and you'll exit uh, out this door on my right, your, uh, my left, your right, kind of by the nursery there. And there'll be folks helping with uh, safety and sanitization and all that. Uh, we have no idea how many people are going to come to this, so just like be cognizant of the number of people who, who show up and, and how much uh, time you're here. Uh, if that becomes an issue, we'll, we'll certainly be here and talking about it as it happens. So um, other than that, summer's winding down and fall is almost upon us. It's hard. That's crazy to say. Uh, not ready for it. I know. No one ever is, <laughs> especially ready. Minnesotans. And there's no state fair. No state fair. Man, mm-hmm. it's like the passage of time. How will we know? How yeah, will we know? True. Summer is over. So eat lots of corn. That's how you'll know uh, instead of going to the corn roast. Um, oh, the reason I said that was because uh, coming soon is more details about kind of fall and what that's going to look like and things that we're going to offer, uh, ways that you can be connected to the life of the community. And uh, yeah, so welcome. If you're new, uh, to awaken. So glad you're here. We'd love to know who you are. So feel free to email any of the staff. All of our emails are on the website. Uh, and we'd love to know who you are and uh, your story of how you got here. So please feel free to do that. Okay, Becky, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, Let's we're going to talk about sex and Song of Songs. Um, first off, Song of Songs. What a book, eh? Awesome book. Awesome book that literally in the Jewish faith, Boys are not, uh, children are not allowed to read it until they turn 13. No kidding. So like at bar mitzvah. Cannot read it until they are 13 because it's considered such an erotic book. So um, we can use the word erotic and Bible in the same context when we actually understand and we look at the context of what's actually in this book. Yeah. And I think in the Hebrew um, tradition, it's just, it's in the Jewish tradition, it's fair to say that they have a reverence for it and a reckoning that reading this book actually can create an awakened desire. 
Yeah. So. And somehow it's still connected to, to life with still God. Con- still connected to. Deeply connected with Deeply life. connected. And that's something that they try to instill a reverence to. I just think it's just powerful to yeah. think of in that way. So. That is fascinating. Love the book. Yes. Absolutely love the book. Um, I, I had a question somewhere in the midst of that. And while trying to listen to your answer and not. I've forgotten what it is. Okay. But. Do you want me to come up with a question? <laughs> This talk show. I wonder well, if Ellen ever has this trouble. I bet you she does. Early on, if you watched early okay. Ellen, you might okay. see some of that. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you do, like for okay. work. Maybe let's start there. Okay. What I do for work is I am a pastor, a licensed pastor, and I do pastoral counseling with people. And so a lot of people, what happens is I have a therapist that refer clients to me mm-hmm. who are, have had areas of wounding in the area of sexuality, and they're trying to reconcile, somehow figure out how does this fit with my being a Christian or with religion or with their spirituality. And so what I would call that, I, I really think that what my life mission is, is to help people deconstruct some of the areas of the ways in which religion has tried to um, define sexuality as one thing and, and anything physical is a separate thing. And so I'm trying to help people to integrate their sexuality and spirituality in a healthy whole way that helps them experience the pleasure and it helps them experience the wonder. And then also have to recognize um, some of the wounds that I want to say religion has actually imparted to them and that they've inherited. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a counselor is what I do. And, um, then the other thing, the fun thing I'm doing right now is... Yeah, tell us about fun parts. Oh, I am, <laughs> I'm loving this. I'm doing a new podcast. podcast. It's a brand new podcast, yeah. First episode dropped last week. Second one dropped today. They keep, they'll drop on, they drop on hump day. Okay. Wednesday. hey just, just want you to know. Okay, <laughs> so we're going to use every innuendo there is. We're yes. going we're gonna to maximize on that. But it's a group of five people that have come together that I want to say are just sitting around a table and we're having honest conversations about sexuality and spirituality. Yeah. And the thing that we're finding is we've got season one done and we're going to drop it a week at a time. But what we're finding is every conversation we thought, we had a well laid out agenda of what we were going to get through and we made it through maybe one point two points. Mm. Because what we find is everything that we're discussing has layers to it. And so we've started to unpack the layers. It is absolutely a fun podcast. Yeah. And it's serious. There are tears in it. It's, um, but there is laughter and joy and weird things that happen that come out of our mouths in different ways. We are having so much fun though. Yeah. I love this. And I have... People have been asking me for ages if I would do something like this, but I am the least techie person on this planet. Sure. You know that for sure. I mean, you know that. I mean, I've seen you with your iPhone at times. Yeah, sure. And everybody has to help me. And so I am the least digitally inclined person, Yeah. but other people are, and so they're taking care of that. So I get to just show up and we get to talk about sex. Yes. So So I listened to episode one and I, there was... You know, it starts, it's fun, it's whatever. And then like halfway through, I feel like this thing like found another level mm-hmm. of, uh, I was, Laura and I were driving back from um, actually uh, farm, the Bailey's farm. Many of you have been down there. You've been, you know, Sylvia and I Ted. know Sylvia. We I love, Sylvia hi Sylvia. I hope you see this. Hi Sylvia. Yeah. I and miss you. Lovely time there. And we're like, let's listen to the first episode and driving down 52 and halfway through you tell a story mm-hmm. about kind of in an answer to the question of like, how did you get here Mm -hmm. in this conversation around like spirituality and sexuality? And I, waterworks, 
Hmm. Um, would you tell that story? Yeah, I will. It's, um, I'm always cautious when I'm telling stories because one of the things that my job is, is to hold sacred story in a place. And so I'm going to preface the story in that I told it. And then I got, I had emails this week, three emails this week that people said, was that story about me? And it was, which is so comforting to me, the element of being able to tell a story and have many people recognize themselves in it. So I, I use that as a preface to it. But, but it wasn't any of these three it people. It wasn't any of those three people that which, I was actually, ta- that I had, because what the um, producer of the show asked me, he said, will you pick somebody and put them in your mind right. and speak to them? And yeah. so that's what I was actually doing is I was speaking to this one person that was probably, this probably was 20, 20 years ago that I spoke to her. So this story is this story is not an isolated incident. No, which, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's not yeah. an isolated incident, okay. and I think especially in the church, that's an important thing for us to recognize. Right. What I've found repeatedly is if one person has a question, there are 25 people, that people there that, that have that same question. Yeah. And so I just I I'm retelling this story. Um, I was I had a woman who was referred to me by a therapist that she had in her marriage what had happened. She'd been married for 17 years, and she during the course of having sex over those 17 years things started to show up that she had actually been able to suppress that were related sexual abuse that had happened early on in her life. Mm-hmm. And so she came into my office and she first came in and she was just like, she was sitting like this, mm-hmm. like literally sitting like this. And she was like, there's nothing good about, um, there's nothing good about sex. And she says, but I don't know how to reconcile sexuality and spirituality in the same sentence. And I said, well, let's just talk about the God that you've experienced. Can we talk about that? And um, so we started to talk about the God that she had experienced, and she had an incredibly deep faith, beautiful faith. But one of the things that she said is she said, um, there's no way that anything in my, that has to do with my body is good. And I, so we started talking about her hands, and I had her hold her hands out, and as we did a digit count on her fingers and everything, and I said, are these good? And then very gradually, we worked ourselves down her body and being able to name body parts. And I said, what if, and I, we started to talk about the goodness of God and who God is and the ways in which she'd experienced God over these 17 years of marriage, because she'd married her best friend. They were, she was in love with her husband. Mm-hmm. She was just having, struggling because she was having these memories come back. And as she was doing this, this work with this sexual counselor, what she found is she said, I can't reconcile my faith. Hmm. And so as we started to talk about the goodness of who God was, um, at one point she literally like has to stand up and she just starts shaking her body and she goes, oh my gosh, and she's just weeping. And she says, this body isn't a curse. Hmm. I said, no, no, your body's not a curse. Your body's a beautiful, your body's this beautiful machine that is just, God created it to function fully for pleasure, for goodness, for connection. For work. For yeah. work, yeah. for, she, oh, she's a marathon runner. Yeah. She, I mean, she ran repeated mm. marathons. And it was like, I said, all of that is good. So this genital region of your body, body is also good. And she looked at me and she said, if ever God and spirituality and sexuality could be put in the same, same sentence and I could see God as good. She said, um, I want to know that God. Mm-hmm. Because the God I know right now isn't going to redeem anything until someday heaven. Hmm. And that includes my body. And, you know, 
I got to work with her for a number, a couple of years, and what I watched happen is the lies that she had grabbed hold of mm-hmm. gradually began to fall off, and she began to experience and have, not that she hadn't experienced some pleasure before, but she began to put it in a context of something as, oh, this is actually part of what God made me for to experience. And it became a different conversation over the course of the years. So in in this last week, uh, one of the things we we, we kind of explored in looking at Song of Songs, like one of the more common uh, ways of understanding it in the Christian tradition is that it's all allegorical. Like this is a story about about God and our relationship with God. It's not really about our bodies and about sex, which I kind of agreed with some commentaries that I read on and, and mm-hmm. wanted to like further the, 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 the conversation that it seems like in the church the, there has been this divorce or even mm-hmm. hatred of these physical bodies that we have and that really like they're the problem, mm-hmm. which I think would be, this woman would testify mm-hmm. to that like what she learned about yeah. God and sin and her body is that like we're someday later in mm-hmm. in heaven spiritual land yes god will redeem all of this will be redeemed including yeah. this awful sinful yeah. terrible mm-hmm. thing that i have to endure until mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. which you can imagine uh the ways in which that gets worked out in our spiritual lives well, I wanna, or in our physical i want to say in yeah. physical just yeah. in physical um the the reality is I, I have a memory from when I was a child. I was a teenager and I was at camp. And I remember we were at this park in New Bruns, Brunsville, Texas, and we were sliding down these rocks and into the water, laughing, just having so much fun, like utter, utter delight. Yeah. And um, one of the camp counselors said, this is so much fun. It's got to be sin. And I remember thinking, I mean, I'm, an, I'm a teenager, so I'm probably, right. I'm probably, I'm pro- when I'm not even a teenager, I'm probably 10 years old and I'm hearing this camp counselor say that. And I remember thinking early on when I first began engaging in sex as a, mm-hmm. a, as a, per, as a woman, what I realized, I kept thinking, this is so fun. Oh, if it's fun, it's got to be sin. Hmm. And I think that that wasn't necessarily, I never had anybody write that in my Sunday school lesson. Right. But I do think it's the unspoken in religion that has Mm -hmm. taught us for a very long time to divorce our bodies from anything that's pleasurable for fear that anything pleasurable doesn't hold the potential of being spiritual. And so we've taught a theology kind of even, I want to say through silence a lot of times, Mm -hmm. but through assumption that we are, this body can't possibly have experienced pleasure and do it in a way that it it experience, it's experiencing spiritual goodness. Right. some way it could honor God or be a part of our our connection to the Mm -hmm. divine. And I'm, and I'm of the camp and I I want to say I've been doing this work for a long, I mean, I'm. I started literally, I can't believe this even, at 35 years ago I started on this journey. Wow. So, um, well actually 40 years ago I started on it, but it wasn't until I actually admitted to myself that I was on this journey until about sure. 35 yeah. years ago. And I can't tell you the number of times I've thought, oh, okay, now I understand it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I am just scratching the surface. Yeah. Um, which, I, I, one of the things that you always say is like, I reserve the right to write my theology in pencil. Mm-hmm. Um, have you changed your mind about anything related to sex and spirituality over the course of 35 years? Oh my gosh. 
I, I could give you a long litany yeah. of what yeah. I, I, I think it'd be shorter to give you the things I'm still holding on to. Huh. That okay. would be a shorter list. Let's, let's, what are some of the things you've kept? One of the things I have kept is that God at the core is good, hmm. which I believe God is for us. And God is not, God did not create our bodies as something to test us. I don't think God mm. created our bodies to be a burden to us. I think God created our bodies in, in multidimensional ways in order for us to experience what true goodness is. Mm. So I th- I, that's one thing that has stayed yeah. is God is good. Yeah. Another thing that has stayed is sex is really fun yeah. and good. Now, I say that, that the other thing I will say is anything that is, has the potential of creating this kind of life and this kind of power mm-hmm. also, also holds a potential be. of evil. Yep. It does. It, so it just does. And I think what happens is, um, in fact, it was, I think it was Jerome, it was either Augustine or Jerome that used to, anytime they had a fleshly thought, would throw themselves into um, thorn bushes to punish their body so that as the scars were healing, they would focus on the scars and not on mm. the fleshly thoughts. Right. And so, and I, if, I can't remember if it was Jerome or Augustine, 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 Augustine. Um, but whoever it was, they are part of the translators of scripture, why we have scripture today, right. which I'm grateful for yeah, them. Right. But I want to understand, I want to <laughs> say that that's one of the reasons why I think in scripture, we've had so much of what I would call sexual language taken out sure and they didn't um they didn't um i don't know how song of songs made it through it right. had to make it through as an allegory yeah, because yeah. if you think about this as this is god's love for us that god is going to ravish us yeah i mean we should be a little more concerned about, about that, that interpretation, interpretation. Than <laughs> just this being about two humans yeah, about human beings being in I this know. i mean don't shouldn't we that's a little that weird that should turn our faces red and we go oh wow do i can i see god as lover yeah right so Anyway, yeah. that's two. Um, why do you think Christians have such a hard time with sex? Well, <laughs> that it, I need more than just a couple of minutes for that one. But <laughs> here's what I will say is I think that it is, there's too many ways that what we've inherited isn't what we've experienced. So what I mean by that is when, when a child has... Um, a physical experience of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Like when uh, I, I have grandsons. Yep. So when they are enjoying that their little, bodies. that wonderful part of their body yep. and they are just a hundred percent there yep. and it's like, it's utter delight. Yeah. But what I think has too often is given to children when they are in these natural places of experiencing their bodies in real ways is there is a, an adult experience from the pain that they've experienced that is then put on the child and what it comes what it comes through is it has to dive through i want to say a pool of shame yeah to get there and what children are experiencing and i just had i mean i have people that all the time how do you talk to your children about sex yeah you I'm, at what age is the appropriate yeah. age and i'm like you start with, before they're born you start when they're born you start yeah. In the womb, they are a sexual being. Yeah. Our sexual journey doesn't begin with a ring. Yeah. Our sexual journey begins in conception. Yep. And we, I, I use the terminology a lot of we all have a sexual portfolio. Right. We all do. Which doesn't just include like our physical experiences with another human. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. But 
far with ourself, with our, I mean, it goes way, way back. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not even sure I should tell this story. Oh, I might get in trouble. It, you could bleep it out though, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, good. Okay. Um, when I was in junior high, we had what they call the presidential awards. Okay. And the presidential awards, you had to do so many sit-ups. You had to Physical do so many fitness and gym. Fitness yeah, and yeah, gym. Yeah, yeah. Fitness yeah. and gym. Totally. Okay. And so you had to do a certain yeah. number of things. And one of the things you had to do was climb a rope to the ceiling and ring a bell. And, um, I experienced some deep pleasure while doing that. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? I'm hanging onto a rope. I'm up above the gym. But I learned how to do it so quickly. And I could linger up there by the bell. And so my gym teacher repeatedly had me demonstrate the rope climb because I became proficient at it. Mm -hmm. Because in my sexual portfolio, I was experienced, something was coming to life in me mm -hmm. that was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. But I didn't have definition for it. And anybody else I talked to, right. like when you climb the rope, does anything happen to you? Yeah. And nobody would, nobody was confirming. I just didn't have any language yeah. for it. And I'm talking about, I was like, that. that's a shame to grow to that age and not have language or hmm. understanding about your body. Sure. So what happened in the Christian faith, I think so often is we have to have the talk. Right. Versus, I want to say, can you have a hundred one-minute talk, sex talks with your kid? Yeah, yeah. And it will change the, um, I want to say the... Um, the landscape. Landscape yeah. and the temperature of yeah. how sex is actually talked yeah. about. So I think that that's really, going back to your question, why do we have such a problem about it? Is because we have, we've inherited so much fear. Mm -hmm. And when something is inherited in fear, it is put on in fear. Yeah. And then it just creates this continual cycle. Yeah. I talked, uh, last week I talked about like fear and shame as our almost autonomic responses when we start talking about sex in the oh, body. Oh, there are guardrails. Yeah. I, 100%. I think they're the guardrails versus can we have grace and curiosity? Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I honestly right. think curiosity is what children are experiencing. Sure. And when I see a child experiencing their body in such pleasurable ways, what I'm often reminded of is like, oh, wait, God, that was me at one point, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So can I experience, can I see this experience right. as something that through is that curious? And, and can I see else? through yeah. that lens versus through all the different ways right. in which I have experienced or the world or religion or whatever yeah. has taught me. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as parents and, and once young parents, um, I remember we were having a conversation with somebody and, and they were saying like, well, how do you talk to your kids about sex or when do you talk about sex with your kids? And somebody gave some really good advice to me, which was like, answer the questions when they ask them. In the moment. Which yeah. is like, oh yeah, well, answer the questions that are asked. Mm -hmm. And, and at some point, you know, kids will digest that information and mm -hmm. they may ask a couple of questions and then they're like, hmm, think about it and they'll stop. And mm -hmm. then you stop. Mm -hmm. And then when they ask the next question, you answer the next question. And then they think about it. So it was like this, this mm -hmm. way of constantly engaging the conversation without saying like, what's appropriate or not appropriate? Or when do I yeah. do this? Or when do, when do I talk about that? It's like, answer the questions that get asked. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I thought that was great. And also the other thing of like, What's normal, what you model as normal mm -hmm. as, as a parent or in a family, like it becomes normal. Mm -hmm. So can we as adults experience conversations about sex and our bodies as normal? 
Can we? Well, I mean, that, that, that begs the question then, right? Like, if we're going to model it for our kids mm-hmm. in, our, in our homes, we have to figure out ways to do that work. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I, I think, from my own experience, what I know for sure is that anything that I don't own is a falsehood I'm giving away. Sure. And so I, I would rather say... Like, if somebody asks me a question about something sexually that I'm not comfortable talking about, it is 10 times better to say, oh, this makes me a little uncomfortable to talk about it. And mm-hmm. that's what I found along the way, is to be able to acknowledge my discomfort lowers the fear factor in the room mm-hmm. right away. Sure. So it's not coming out through fear. It's coming from, okay, can we agree? that Okay, this is a little uncomfortable. Sure. And right. so I think that the way to, for adults to start talking about it is to be able to, um, my husband and I had a friend when we were growing up that, no, we were, not when we were growing up, I'm sorry, early in our marriage, Mm -hmm. there was a friend of ours that every time he talked about sex, he would touch his glasses and he'd lower his glasses. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting in a Burger King one time and I looked across the table at him and I'll call him Ken. And I said, um, Ken, every time you say the word sex, you lower your glasses. And he goes, I can say sex. Oh, I do touch my glasses, don't I? And I was like, yeah, I said, I think it's just a nervous thing. What, are you uncomfortable mm-hmm. talking? Because I don't even remember what we were talking about, yeah. but somehow we were using the word sex yeah. and what we were talking about. And um, just that, yeah. being able to acknowledge it was like suddenly, then our conversations went to a deeper level. Sure. But we had to first acknowledge it, our discomfort. Yeah. And so that doesn't, that's not a, anything to be ashamed of. Right. It's just to notice where you're at. And that's one of the things from your sermon last week that you mm-hmm. said, can we name where we're at right now? Yeah, right. We'll never go anyplace else if we don't first name where we're at. Yeah. And live in that and go, oh, okay, so this is what I'm comfortable with. If I'm not mistaken, that's the first question in the Bible. Hmm. Where are you? Oh, yeah. Um, so, Becky, you know that I'm also a pastor of mm-hmm. a church. And there's a whole group of people who, like you know, are part of this community and they listen and they, Mm -hmm. um, so if I asked you like, what are the, what is a message or what are a couple of things that you really hope or wished for a spiritual community, Mm. um, in this conversation, right? We're, we're, you know, we looked at song Mm. of songs last week, which is this beautiful poetic, poetic, uh, love, passion, desire, intimacy. Um, and you've spent a huge part of your life. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you hope the church starts to grasp or what, what's a wish that you have for people who follow this Jesus? I have never been asked that question and I love it. So I'm just kind of savoring the taste mm-hmm. of that just right now. Um, the first thing I would say is that we would reclaim curiosity, Hmm. curiosity about God, curiosity about our bodies and curiosity about what it means to actually be both sexual and spiritual. Hmm. Because I think the thing that the Jesus that I see in scripture repeatedly and the Jesus that I choose to follow is one who always pauses and does exactly what you're talking about, responds to a question, Hmm. 
but normally, and this is what I think is so helpful with children also, mm-hmm. and I am getting back to the question, but it's like, is, isn't afraid to ask a question of the question. Sure. And that's like a, maybe a double negative, but a double negative makes a positive. In maths. <laughs> In math. So I, I wonder if the church began to be curious versus being so dogmatically defined, hmm. we might be able to explore the dimensions of sexuality from a place of curiosity, mm-hmm. which the second thing I think that I my hope for the church is, is that they would have compassion. Hmm. Because one of my friends um, on the podcast talks about it this way, is that um, the one thing she's absolutely 100% sure of is the hospitality of God. Hmm. And that, that Jesus is always living from a place of hospitality. Right. And I think that that comes from this deep inner compassion that Jesus had both for who he was and who humanity was. And part of what Jesus coming in physical form, I don't think was to show us who God was. That feels very egotistical. And I think it's Dallas Willard who says it. Jesus came to show us who we as humans are capable of being. Right. And I think one of our, with curiosity, we get to explore, and with compassion, we get to engage. Hmm. And I think that leads me to, I have a third one, is um, because ultimately what our sexuality and our spirituality come together, coming together is about creating new life Mm -hmm. in us and in others. Mm -hmm. Because yes, it can create new life like a child. That's why all of us are here. But it can also create life because for many people, like for this woman that I told the story about, it wasn't until she was actually engaged in um, a safe covenant relationship Mm -hmm. that these things that she had disassociated from even had permission to show up in her. Yeah. And I want to say that to me, that was one of the things, the themes we explored with her is, was that the compassion of God? Like, mm-hmm. you're in a place now, your husband is committed mm-hmm. in this. He doesn't like it necessarily, but he's committed yeah. to helping you walk this out. And that to me felt like we had to do the work of curiosity. She had to experience the compassion and ultimately what it did is it created life, deeper life in her mm-hmm. marriage. And that's what I have for the church. The church is... We have an opportunity. We don't have to be as afraid of this. Yeah. Because fear creates more fear. And it creates these dogmas of right. It's this way. Right. And it's this way. And it's like we've created this instead of I think the flowing lines of grace mm-hmm. and compassion. I, I, yeah, and it seems to me that the the fear is it's it's both an honest assessment of like the power of sex. Absolutely. Right? Like this mm-hmm. this thing it it does have the potential to destroy mm-hmm. human life. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or another person. And so there is like a there is a a, a respect I think maybe it would be mm-hmm. a better way to 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 uh, frame it than to be afraid of it. Um because it it does have this or is it another dimension of fear? Sure. You're, you're, I mean, I yeah. hear what you're saying, but I, there is an element here of awe mm-hmm. is another ver- dimension of fear, right? Yeah, sure. 
And sure. so I, that's the other side of the coin yeah. with it. Yeah. And I, I think my, my other wondering is, um, what if we didn't have to have all the answers? Sure. And that's where our curious curiosity comes in. Yeah. We don't have to have all the answers. Um, but you know what? I'll explore that with you. Mm-hmm. I'll sit with you. Mm-hmm. I'll, let's unpack this. And I mean, right now we're sitting in a church surrounded by the stained glass that people etched things that were of value to them mm-hmm. in the stained glass. That's craftsmanship. What if the church actually had a craftsmanship around who we are as human beings and our spirituality and sexuality being interwoven? Hmm. I mean, would that really be good news? I mean, that would let some light shine through. I'm just like, mm-hmm. these have stood the test of time. Yeah. I just wonder what would happen if we took a different, instead of it being riddled yeah. in fear and shame. Yeah, I think... What one one thing that comes to mind to me in that journey is like a radical and desperate dependence on the leading of the Spirit, right? Absolutely. Which, which I think yeah. we can say the Spirit mm-hmm. of God will. Jesus says it's this. It, it's the Spirit of Truth, and so we can like submit ourselves to that mm-hmm. that leading and that guiding to be curious, to ask questions, to wonder, to not feel like we have to have all the answers when we're not driving this thing. Like it's the spirit of mm-hmm. the risen Christ, you know, present among us and in us. And mm-hmm. so I, I think a, a, a deeper pneumatology or, or a, like a deeper commitment to mm-hmm. like that classic Christian idea might do us well in this conversation. Well, and I think if we're going to have this conversation and you as a pastor who have a voice that is listened to, mm-hmm. Part of what has to be looked at is how do we view desire hmm. and how do we view um, passion? Sure. And I think that we've got to develop a relationship of language, of helping people reconnect. Because just as I have a desire to eat a hamburger, you know, that's dripping with goodness, mm-hmm. um, I, we, we equate that as um, somehow that's an acceptable desire um, but to have a physical desire mm-hmm. in the genital region is somehow immediately equated with shame. Oops, it's shame. Fear. That can't. That can't be. Yeah. That can't be good. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's a desire showing up here. What are we going to do with this? Yeah. And desire. I mean, like, my first question to that is like, where does that come from? Like, mm-hmm. I learned that from someone, somewhere, mm-hmm. someplace along the way. I learned that. Uh, and I don't think it has to be that way. I don't think it does. And that's where yeah. I think that we can teach more about respect mm-hmm. and consent mm-hmm. than just rules and don't. Well, there you go. So, um, Well, Becky, I'm, I'm, grateful for, I'm grateful for you and like my friendship mm-hmm. with you. I'm also grateful for your voice in, Thank you. you know, in, into our community, into the community that you're a part of, but broader. Uh, I'm super excited about fun parts. I and am too. Like, I love it. <laughs> what happens with that podcast? That's going to be wild. Yeah. Um, so typically we, we end our gatherings with communion. I'm wondering if you would be willing to lead oh, us in communion and I would love to. offer Eucharist. People out there, uh, they've been told like, hey, when you gather, make sure you have bread and wine if you want to do that. Mm. So I think they're ready. On the night that Jesus was handed over, he took something that was very common. He took the bread 
And he was at the table and he said, take, every time you take, eat this, but break it first. Man, this is hard. Um, this is my body broken for you. But I want you to take this and I want you to take something that you're going to engage with all the time. I want you to take and I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And part of that is the invitation to come back present to what is in a very physical way, come back to something and let it remind us of who Jesus is. And then he took the cup and he lifted it up and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. And when you drink this, drink this in remembrance of me. And I, every time I engage with both the bread and the wine, I am reminded that two very different elements are coming together and that only when they unite and are in union together do they actually create communion. And to me, that feels like this incredible sacred element of who God is and how Jesus is inviting us to experience community with one another, but also to experience um, both joy and sorrow, both um, laughter and pain, because all of it belongs here at the table. So this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love God and for those who want to love God more. It's made ready for those who have tried to follow Christ and those who've, I mean, we who have failed. But it's the invitation from Jesus is to come. Come, drink deeply, eat deeply, because this is for you. And it is for the forgiveness of sins but it's just for the utter delight of getting to be with you. So friends, as you take the bread, the body of Christ broken for you, mm. take and eat. And as you take the cup, the blood of Christ shed for you, take and drink. Mm. I usually do the uh, the ironic blessing from Numbers at mm -hmm. the end. Um, I don't know that one. Do you? Would you be willing to bless the people in some other way? Oh, can, okay. So I can do something. Yeah, my own? sure. Oh, I would love to. Um, may God, your Creator remind you of the goodness of who you are. May God, your lover, remind you of the goodness of who you are. May God, your mother or father, remind you of the goodness of who you are and all the wonder of what you have yet to discover. May the peace that is already ours continue to unfold and invite us 
to discover and hunger for more. Bless you. Grace and peace, friends. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. www.facebook.com backslash awakening community or on Twitter, the awakening community. See you next time.